Well, amen. I'm, uh, I wanted to say thank you to, to this, I don't know if an ensemble or a choir or... It's New Haven, I don't know. To, uh, uh, and to you, bud, you, you're sweating like uh, it's the middle of summer in, yeah. in the state of Florida. Well, we're so, not to draw attention to ourselves. <laughs> so I'm sure you'll go get cleaned up there. <clears throat> but I appreciate your effort and your enthusiasm for the Lord. The Bible speaks of three resurrections. There is, of course, Christ's resurrection, and we're celebrating that today and then there is the resurrection of our bodies at the end of the new covenant age when Christ returns and he raises us from the dead and then there's a, another resurrection which is very key one Christ's resurrection is 2,000 years ago the resurrection of our bodies is who knows in the future could be tomorrow, could be a thousand years in the future. But in between is a resurrection. And that's the resurrection I want us to look at this morning. Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 5 through 7. Christ's resurrection and ours, particularly ours today. Ephesians chapter 2 beginning in verse 5. Ephesians 2, 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you're saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then verse 7, so that in coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We'll look at three things from these verses this morning. First, the plight of men. We are dead in trespasses and sins. Then I want us to look at the power of God. He raised us up with Christ. He seated us in the heavenlies with Christ. He joined us to the risen Christ. And then third, we'll look at the purpose of this grace. Uh, verse 7, so that he can show kindness for ages to come. So th that's the direction I want to go in this morning. Um, and let's begin with the plight of man. What does he mean we are dead in sin? Uh, he, he says it in verse 1, you who were dead in trespasses and sins. He says it in verse 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. What does this mean we are dead? Well, obviously it doesn't mean that we're physically dead, but we're spiritually dead. The natural man, apart from God's grace, is spiritually dead. I've been reading the book of Jeremiah, and uh, in Jeremiah, Israel 
had reverted to idols, go back 600 years before Christ, and they had uh, reverted back to worshiping idols from, and, and abandoned their faith in God. Uh, one of their kings, Manasseh, had even put an idol right in the center of the temple of God. And they, went, they used the temple to worship idols. One king, when Jeremiah took the king a copy of the Bible, he took it and tore out the pages and threw it in the fire. This was the attitude, this was the unbelief, this was the hardness that was in Israel in the days of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 3, it says this, You struck them, but they felt no anguish. You consumed them, and they refused correction. They made their faces hard as a rock. See, this is the deadness, this is the hardness of the natural man. Israel had reverted to a pagan nation in the days of Jeremiah. And they had lost fear and reverence for God and the desire to hear His Word. See, that's deadness. Now, they were alive to many things, but they were not alive to the things of God. The blasphemy of his name, the, the casual use of the name of God, did not disturb them. And they endured any chastisements God brought and hoped for the best. It didn't bother them. Nothing changed. This is the way it is to be dead in sin. You don't you don't feel, as, as he put it here, they felt no anguish over God's chastisements. He struck them and they didn't feel it. See, you can strike a dead man and he will not complain. You can teach a dead man. He will learn nothing. He has no desire for God's word. He has no desire to sing his praises, to worship he has no love for God's people, the church. This is death. As Jeremiah said, they don't feel anything. You've heard the story of the prodigal. And he comes to his father and in a rather crude way says, I want my inheritance now. It's a kind of a way of saying Look, you, most people get their inheritance when they die. I wish you were dead, so, but I'll, if you'll give it to me now, we'll be friends. Let's call it even. And his father gave it to him. He, he went to a far country, spent everything, and uh, one day he's, he decided in his, in his poverty and hunger and need and misery, it says he came to himself and he thought, this is stupid. My father has so much. I have nothing. I will arise and go to my father. Good decision. And he went and his father, to his surprise, embraced him and even kissed him. 
and they and threw him a party. He gave him this big party, and the noise. Somebody said, "What's this noise?" And they said, "The prodigal has come home." And the father in Luke fifteen thirty two it says this: "It is fitting to celebrate and to be glad, for your brother was dead." But now he's alive. He was lost and is found. See, he was dead. Now he wasn't dead physically. He was dead spiritually. Dead to his father. Dead to the household. Dead to his, his family. Dead to his blessings that awaited. He had none of it. And this is what it means to be dead in sin. It's as if God does not exist. How did he get this way? How... How is it that mankind has become dead in sin? Well, it starts all the way back with Adam in Genesis 2.17 when God told Adam and Eve of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat, you will surely die. Now, in the day you eat, you will die. But Satan tempted them, they ate. But did they die? They did. They died spiritually. They died spiritually. They died to God. They died to His Spirit. They died to His presence. They died to to desiring Him and loving Him. They died spiritually... And when your spirit dies to God, your body will ultimately follow. So it took, it took Adam 900 years for his body to die. But his spirit was already dead. It's like turning the motor off in a car. You're going 70 miles an hour down the freeway and you turn the motor off. It takes a while for the, for the car to catch up with the with the deadness of the motor. But ultimately, it will. And that's what happened with Adam. And, and, and he lived another 900 years because he had a big motor. He had a perfect motor. So, and his bodily DNA was perfect. So it took a long time for his body to catch up, but no matter how good it is, it ultimately will when your spirit dies. Now, as you go through the Old Testament, you'll notice that they, they started dying off in Noah's day around 600 years. Then, by the time you get to Abraham, 200 years. And then today, our average age is about 70, 75 years. So, <clears throat> we are not born with quite the DNA of Adam. So, our bodies ultimately catch up with the deadness of our spirit. Truth is, your body needs God in your spirit. If God's spirit is in your body, that's the best thing you can do for your immune system. Psalm 84.2 David said, my soul longs and even thanks for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out. Notice that. 
My flesh cries out for the living God. Your body needs God by having Him in your spirit. And it will crave the presence of God because you were never designed to live without God's presence either in your spirit or your body. So that's why you have a verse like Proverbs 17.22 that says a joyful heart does good like a medicine but a wounded spirit, sick and hurt and grieved dries up the bones. Have you ever noticed that verse? Why is that important to, to note? A wounded spirit, your spirit, if it's not right, affects the bones. Why is that important? Because in the bones... The marrow is what makes the white blood cells. And those white blood cells is what fights the infections and the diseases that you're vulnerable to. So if your spirit is not right, your bones are not right. And they cannot adequately make those white blood cells, those powerful little soldiers that keep out all the diseases. So the best thing... I am telling you that you can do for this day in which we live and there's diseases. The best thing you can do is be right with God and have His Holy Spirit dwelling in you. That's your best immunity program. Can I get an amen from somebody? Anybody. Now, I'm not against vaccines. I'm not against washing your hands. And I'm not against... What uh, physical checkups and going to the doctor if you can ever get one to see you. And I, I'm not against any of that. I'm just telling you that today, when our spirit is dead, it affects our bodies. And a vaccine will not do for you what only God's spirit in you will do. So... When your spirit is wounded with guilt and shame, it affects the bones which produce the cells that fight diseases. Dead spiritually, ultimately dead physically. Now what's the remedy? Look at the power of God in raising us. He says in, in chapter 2 of Ephesians verse 4, God being rich in mercy because of his great love to us. Even when we were dead, even like when we were like that, he joined us, he made us alive together with Christ. He joined us to Christ. Um, in Exodus 12, you see this at the Passover when God's people were identified by the blood. You remember that story? And they put the blood, said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. You put the blood on the door. And those who trusted in the blood of the lamb, he, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. The destroying angel would not harm them. But they not only trusted in the blood, what else did they do? They went into the house and they ate of the lamb. They put the lamb inside them because they needed strength for the journey. See, the blood was for God. The eating is for you. The reception of the lamb is for you, for your strength. 
Paul said in Philippians 4, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He's, re- he's not only trusted the blood, but he's received the lamb. He's ate of the lamb. And that's what God calls us to do. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He who is joined to the Lord, joined as in a marriage, in a covenant, is one spirit with him. Think of that. He that's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Your spirit and his spirit have become joined. So God has brought us together. He has raised us up with Christ. And I would just add this. Why do we still die? If our spirit is raised, why does a Christian die? And it's because just as Adam died in spirit, then in body, so we receive Christ, we come alive in spirit, then in body. God is simply reversing exactly what happened in Adam. He's he's reversing it. He's reversed the curse through Christ. First we come alive in our spirit. Then at the resurrection we come alive in our body. As 1 Corinthians 15 says, verse 21, As by man came death, by man also came resurrection of the dead. See, it was a man that did it, so God gave, had a man to reverse it. And just as in Adam all die, all those joined to Adam die, so all in Christ will be made alive. Just as he's following the pattern of the loss. He's saying to the devil, devil, you did it this way and I'll just take your method and just do reverse the whole thing by the same method. Sin came by man, so did the remedy. And in the same way we died, so we shall live. One final thing. Ephesians 2, 7. This is a wonderful verse. He says, notice the purpose of of God's grace, God's power. He says, so that, here's the purpose, in coming ages, coming ages. Now that's fascinating. There are ages. It's the only verse in the whole Bible that even gives a hint of the kinds of changes in dispensations that are yet in the future, in coming ages. And what is the coming ages? He wants to show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ. It's going to take... We get to heaven... And we see clearly, wow, I understand so much now. I see the love of God and kindness of God more than ever. And that may last 1,000 years, 10,000 years, 100,000 years as you see what God has done in Christ. And then there's another age. <laughs> this, this, is, this word is plural. In the ages to come. There's another age. 
And, you, and so he gives you another snapshot of how his kindness has been displayed in your life, following into your children's lives, into your grandchildren, to generations to come for a thousand years. And you're like, this is a whole new ballgame now. I'm seeing it all differently. And then you do that for 100,000 years. And God shifts gears again. There's, a, there's another age in which he shows another side of things that is incredible and astonishing. Uh, when I was growing up, my grandfather had an old uh, Chevrolet truck. It was army green, faded army green. And it had three gears. Uh, it's one of them on the steering wheel. Slow, slower, <laughs> and uh, uh, 30 miles an hour, or something like that. I don't know, but it, he'd, people would uh, honk at him every time. I get my driving habits from him, by the way. <clears throat> and then we got cars with four speeds. We now have transmissions with six speeds. Why do we need six? Well, it's a lot more sophisticated. And you need these all six speeds in order to show the various strengths uh, of the, this powerful, technologically advanced machine. And you can now get eight, even nine, Gears. Did y'all know that? Eight and nine gears. There is a Lexus. You can buy a Lexus that has ten gears. So I, I'm uh, taking up an offering if anybody wants to help. But ten gears. A, why? Because each gear is designed to show a certain strength at a certain stage. And God wants to show how good He has been to you in Christ Jesus. And it doesn't just come in this life. It doesn't just come when you get to heaven and you've been there 10,000 years. God has another gear. And then he's going to give you another 100,000 years. And then he's going to change gears. And he's going to shift until you are lost in wonder and praise and awe. He, let's read it again. In coming ages, he will show the immeasurable. It's never going to end. You'll never be able to see it all. It's immeasurable. The riches of His grace toward us in Christ. A little boy uh, attended a funeral of a good Christian man. He, the little boy went with his dad the, the man who had died, older gentleman, was known for his faith and Christ-likeness. And after the eulogy, the little boy looked up at his dad and he said, Dad, is it over? 
And the dad, as he listened to this man's life, the description of his faith and works, he looked down at his little boy and he put his hand on him and said, No, son, it's not over. It's just beginning. It is just beginning. When you think it's over, when the world says, Oh, it's over. It's just beginning. When you've been in heaven 10,000 years, it's just beginning. It's just beginning. There's always with God the beginning. There is no end. God is a God that begins. He doesn't end. He begins. And resurrection pulled the trigger on it. It pushed the button that exploded this beginning into the earth and into history and into eternity. We sang about, I see the evidence of his goodness. Oh, wait till you get there. And then wait till 100,000 years goes by and then you'll get an, hit another gear. Glory to God. So call me happy. And, and Bud, can you sing after this sermon? Can you now sing? Or where, you, where are you? Did he wipe the sweat? <laughs> All right. You got one at the end, I assume? What do you think I was asking for? This, is, this sermon's not the end. This is the beginning. <laughs> Ushers, you come. Let's ask God's blessing on our offering today. Let's worship. Let's worship Him who has just begun to show us His kindness. Father, we stand in true awe of your gospel and of your grace and of your goodness to us and we now worship you with our tithes and our offerings. Amen.